Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha. Welcome to Island Conversations. Today we're going to be talking about events significant in Hawaiian history. The Battle of Kuamo'o was fought in 1819 at Kuamo'o Battlefield, which is just south of Keahoe Bay. We'll be talking with musician and composer Herb Mahelona about an opera and about a symphonic suite that he wrote to honor that particular event and another battle that was on Oahu. Additionally, we'll talk with Dr. Kamana Beamer, who's representing the Beamer family, which has a cultural connection to the Battle of Kuamo'o and which formed a nonprofit to help preserve it. By the way, Island Conversations airs on Sundays on KWXX and on B97B93, and then rebroadcast the following Friday on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo, and is always available as a podcast at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. And now to the conversation with Herb Mahilona, which I recorded in March prior to the debut of the Symphonic Suite with Kamwela Philharmonic at Kahilu Theater. I'm joined today by musician and composer Herb Mahelona. Mr. Mahelona has composed an opera commemorating major battles and pre-contact times both on Oahu and on the island of Hawaii. Mr. Mahelona debuted the opera at Kamehameha Schools here on the Big Island back in 2014. A portion of the opera, a symphonic suite composed by Mr. Mahelona, debuted with the Kamuela Philharmonic at Kahilu Theater on March 24th. I recorded this interview with Mr. Mahelona in advance of the March 24th concert. I was at that performance, and it was wonderful, just magical. It was truly the hit of the evening. Now, you may see the opera yourself on June 15th. It's a Saturday at UH Hilo Performing Arts. The performance begins at 7 o'clock. There is no admission charge, but obviously the Kamehameha Schools folks would welcome donations because these kids and Herb Mahelona are going to be performing this work at a major music festival in Scotland this August, and we'll hear a little bit more about that at the end of our interview with Herb Mahilona. But I wanted to let you know that you will have an opportunity not only to see this opera in person, but to support the kids who will take it to an international stage. And given that we've still got a little bit of time before June 15th, you may even have a chance to go to see where this historic battle took place on the Kona side of the Big Island. Let's get to our discussion with musician and composer Herb Mahilona. Mr. Mahilona graduated from Kamehameha Schools in the University of Hawaii, and he's been an educator for the past... 20 years teaching, I would say, everything, art and art history, choir, Korean language, web design, music composition, and more. He's currently at Kamehameha Schools here on the Big Island where he teaches and is the choir instructor, and he also plays the cello professionally. He's composed not just the work we'll talk about, but several other pieces inspired by and about major events and people in Hawaiian history. Herb, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thanks for having me. Okay, so first of all, how did you get involved with music, with being a musician? Uh, well, I, I started playing the piano when I was six. Okay. Were you a child prodigy, or did your mom no. force you to sit down? and? 
So it was an interesting story. My parents had recently got a piano for my mom's birthday. So they left it open, you know, hoping that I would kind of get curious and want to pawn the keys, but I would not touch the thing. Because I was, I was six years old. It was just too big. It was too big. It was too, the keys were too far away. So I refused to touch the piano until one day my mom, she would play every day and she was playing this one song and somehow I knew it wasn't right. So at six years old, I said, Mom, I don't think that piece is right. And she turned and looked to me, the son that would not even touch the piano. She said, what do you know? You know, playing the piano is not easy. And then she walked off. And so I decided I would prove her wrong. So I pulled out, you know, beginning book number one, and I sat down and I read, this is where middle C is, and I taught myself how to read the notes. You are kidding. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So I don't say I, say I was a prodigy, but I was good for my age. I guess so. Do you have siblings? Yes, two sisters. And were they equally attracted by? S similar, yeah. Wow. We all play the piano, we all play the organ, we all play string instruments. That is so nice. So six years old was your first experience. How long did it take you to, I will use the term, get better so that you could actually play the piano and it be more fun and recognizable? I picked it up pretty fast because it was kind of my thing. So yeah, by the time I was in middle school, I was having fun. Oh, that's nice. And what kind of music did you play back then? Oh, everything. So classical stuff was my first love. But of course, it was the 70s and 80s. Ah. So there was a lot of cool stuff going on. And then Star Wars came out. And we had to play all of that. Can you read music? Yes, you can. Yes. Can you play by ear? For example, yes. even then, if I played something, could you just pick it up and play it? Yes. Wonderful. That is really a talent. Now, do your parents both have that same similar musical talent? Is that where you think you got it? I think it skipped a generation because my grandparents were musical and my dad's family, they all play five, six different instruments. I have one aunt, she played every orchestral instrument. That was kind of her hobby, to learn every instrument in the orchestra. That is very cool. So now you play cello in Camilla Philharmonic. Right. Well, and then other orchestras on the Big Island, the same musicians, we call ourselves different things depending where we are. So do you only play cello professionally now, or do you play other things professionally? I play other things. It's mostly cello and piano. What inspired you to compose? Oh, okay. So I was working for the Hawaii Youth Opera Chorus in Honolulu, and their director, Nola Nahulu, got the idea to have these kids that sing in the regular opera have their own summer program where they have an opera written just for them, and they get to learn the whole production. They will make the costumes, they'll make the sets, and they'll be the performers and the stagehands, they'll do everything. So she hired um, then Professor Neil Mackay from university, a composition professor. So he did a couple years, and I was the accompanist. And she wanted to feature Hawaiian themes. And Neil Mackay was a fabulous composer, but he wasn't Hawaiian. So I'm sitting there as a Hawaiian accompanist thinking, I, I just felt like I should be doing this. It's like, I think I should do this. So I mentioned it to her, it's like, you know, if you ever, wanted to consider having me do it, I'd be happy to give it a shot. And then she did. So that was my first opera back in 1996. Oh my goodness, you've been doing this a long time. Yeah, 20 years. And your themes are oftentimes all about Hawaiian history or Hawaiian yes, people. almost exclusively. That's kind of nice. I've read the synopsis of the Battle of Kuomo'o Suite, and the stories that underlie that work are really emotional. Mm -hmm. And I did see the opera that you composed that was presented by Kamehameha Schools in 2014. So how does this symphonic work relate to that full opera? So the symphonic suite is kind of a collection of all the most emotional parts that I thought would be really thrilling musically, you know, minus the words, minus the action. 
So the most beautiful melodies, the most exciting battle music, I kind of compiled it all into a uh, half an hour suite. You know, I read about it, and it's called the Battle of Kuomo'o Suite, but mm. the very first of the four movements is actually about a battle on Oahu. So why don't you walk us through what the theme is of this entire symphonic suite, because it really encompasses a whole lot of elements. Yeah, it's really, really exciting. So we start with the Battle of Nu'uanu, which is in 1795. So that's Kamehameha's final battle to unite all the islands under one ruler. And at that battle, and this is where it gets really operatic, so he had a former commander of his army that had deserted and come over to Oahu. They had some kind of jealousy because he was a very well-traveled soldier. He had lived in China for three years, come back to Hawaii and decided to help Kamehameha, bring him cannons and rifles and train his army. So there was a little bit of jealousy, possibly. So eventually he ended up taking all his troops, thousands of them, and defecting to Oahu. But his wife, who was on Kamehameha's rifle team, who this general, his name is Kaiana, he had trained her to shoot and be an expert marksman and be the leader of Kamehameha's rifle team. She decided to stay behind on the big island and remain loyal to Kamehameha. Ooh. So at the Battle of Nu'uanu, guess who's pointing the rifle at who? I mean, it's just, and the rifles fired and Kaiana went down. And according to all the accounts, the battle paused so that Kekupuohi could rush to her husband's side and mourn his passing right there on the battlefield. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting when I read that in your synopsis. It's like, that is a weird way to conduct battle, that wait, let's stop so the wife can mourn the husband she may have just killed. Yeah. And the other thing that kind of intrigued me, it was a female rifle corps. All female. Talk about women's liberation. Right, and these were all Ali'i women, so all royalty, all chiefs. Right there, and there were a lot of them. So they were kind of instrumental in winning that battle for hmm. Kamehameha. Well, so your piece is also about love. It's about breaking a kapu. Tell us more. So the piece begins with the Battle of Nu'uanu, 1795. Where do you go from there? Well, then it turns out that that battle scene was all a dream of Chiefess Monono who, from Kona, who in our version was actually there. She may, not, may or not have been there. But she remembers that, and she's having this recurring nightmare of this dream and watching Kekupuohi lose her husband. And it's kind of a foreshadowing of what's going to happen to her. She's trying to figure out what it means. The theme of the opera is that why people make the decisions that they did, especially in 1819, where people chose to forego an old system in favor of a new unknown system. So why would someone do that? So what we theorize in the opera is that it really is love. Love for the country, you know, a desire to see the country further itself and progress and become one with the world stage, with the other leaders that have been coming to Hawaii at that point. So the people that were advocating the abolition of the system really wanted to see Hawaii progress. The people that were advocating for keeping the system really wanted Hawaii to stay rooted into what it had always been. And so two great motivations with two different outcomes. So it's the great stuff of opera. Well, it is the great stuff of opera. Why these particular historic events? What prompted you to capture these events for the opera and for this symphonic suite? Well, what's unique about this event is because it takes place on this island. And it was the pivotal battle that changed Hawaiian culture forever. And yet, when we did it in 2014, I, I couldn't have a conversation with anyone about it because no one really had heard about it in depth. If they lived next to the battlefield, they kind of knew what happened. But the farther away you get from there, 
the story had not trickled down. Well, now that's interesting because the Battle of Kuomo'o was, as you say, really historic. And the Kuomo'o Battlegrounds and now the Kuomo'o Burial Grounds, mm-hmm. it's in Keahoe. Anybody yes. can go visit it. It's south of Keahoe Bay, mm-hmm. go out, down into the area that some people call the end of the world, the of the world in that area. And there's now, it's been, I won't say restored, but it's been preserved. So there is a plaque there that tells a little yeah. bit about it. And now the descendants of Kekuokolani and Monono, they kind of formed a corporation and they purchased that entire site. And so they're managing it now to make sure that there's no development and to keep it a historical site. Which is great. Yes. So this is a particular event that you chose, and now I understand a little bit about why you selected this event, but I love that it's this island, the big island. I mean, that's really important. How is the symphonic suite related to the opera? Is it just a piece of the opera or different? Uh, It's pieces of the opera, so the biggest difference is that it's written for symphony orchestra. When we do it at the school, we do it with the symphonic band or with a concert band. So there's no strings, there's no harp. So it's a totally different palette of colors. And I wouldn't say one is better than the other, but it's just different. Well, the one that was performed at Kamehameha Schools was very powerful, mm-hmm. powerful and emotional. And because it was opera and you could have all the people up there, it was very visually rich and rewarding and the music just absolutely was part of what one was looking at now what should we be listening for as we hear this work if we're not musicians what should we be paying attention to okay so when i composed the opera i was very aware that most of the audience would not understand what was being said because it's all in hawaiian but that was kind of how opera's always been you know not everybody understood italian when they went to the opera and they didn't always have subtitles So I tried to put as many clues as possible in the music as to what kind of emotions are going on on stage. So there's some themes, themes of change, of foreboding. Each character has a theme, so very much like Wagner. If somebody comes in, their theme plays, and there's a love theme that comes in. So the music is trying to inform the audience that may not know every word that's being said, kind of let them feel what's going on. And a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations, and I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. We are talking today with Herb Mahilona about the Battle of Kuomo'o and his musical work, the Battle of Kuomo'o Opera and the Symphonic Suite. And we'll also be talking with Dr. Kamana Beamer about some of the preservation efforts going on now to help preserve the Kuomo'o battlefield. Next week... It's food, good food, at the hospital. Now, that sounds incredible, doesn't it? We'll be talking with folks from Kona Community Hospital about how they've been introducing really good food into the hospital. Before we get back to the Battle of Kuomo'o, let's hear from KTA Superstores. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local. So you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. And now let's get back to our conversation with Herb Mahilona. We'll hear from Kamana Beamer in a little bit. In this symphonic suite, there's four movements, four sections. And in the fourth one, you do have voices. Yes. Tell us about the voices. The students will be joining us for the fourth movement, the most devastating part of, of the opera. That's when actually Kekua Kolani and Monono die at the final battle of Kumo. We'll have the whole cast, well, the whole cast that will be traveling to Scotland 
this August. We'll be there reenacting as best we can. We'll just be fresh off the performance at the school, but we have to retool the whole opera from 575 participants to 25. So they will actually perform that last battle scene as two opposing armies. Oh, they're actually going to perform it even in the symphonic suite? They, they will be fighting on stage. Oh, my gosh. That'll be really powerful. In costume with weapons. Oh, my everything. goodness. Yeah. Oh, wow. The orchestra members are going to sort of have a hard time with that, I imagine, because they'll oh, want to yeah. watch as well as play. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned Scotland. I think that's the question of what comes next for this symphonic suite. Tell us about Scotland. Oh, so we were in, this is our return trip. We were first invited to go to Scotland in 2016 as part of the Edinburgh Festival Fringe, which is the world's largest performing arts festival. So how large is it? It's the entire month of August. You can watch 4,000 different acts in the month of August. 4,000. That's hard to fathom. Not There's performances, only... separate acts. There's only 30 days in the month. Right. <laughs> so every hour you can choose 400 different shows that you want to watch going on in 400 different venues in a town roughly the size of Hilo. Wow. It's amazing. So how many times will you be performing as part of that festival? So we have four shows we're going to do. So you were just invited to participate. Tell us more about this. I mean, this is exciting. Yeah, it's really interesting. So you, you can't just volunteer to go. You have to be nominated by theater professionals. So we're lucky enough, I think we're the only school that got nominated by two theater professionals. Who nominated you? So it was um, Professor Jackie Johnson, who just retired from UH Hilo, and Eden Lee Murray from Honolulu. She's also a wonderful actress and drama teacher. So both of them recommended us at the same time. Oh, and then nice. you're invited to apply, and then if you get accepted for the application, then they'll invite you to come and perform. Oh, that's fabulous. Do you have to pay for yourselves to go? And if so, how are you raising the funds? All the performances that we do, all the proceeds go towards raising that. And how many folks are going to Scotland? That's 25. That's wow. our traveling cast. Nice. Herb Mahilona, what else should I have asked you that you'd like to share? Let me just tell you kind of how the opera evolved. When you write Hawaiian things, it's really important that you get permission from the people that you're writing about, even though they're long gone. You need to connect. You need to go to the place and get some insight and some inspiration. So way back in 2013, we went to the battlefield for the first time. That was my first time being there. And we went there with the original cast. And I went out onto the field, and I just introduced myself. So that's my protocol. I introduced myself. I state my intention. I'm going to write an opera about you and about this event. What would you like me to highlight? What would you like me to bring out in the opera? So I just said that very quietly. And right away, just like this big wind came, and I heard this woman's voice said, Let them know everything we did, we did for love for no other reason. She said, people think there's political advantage, there's financial advantage, that it was all for love, everything we did. So that's how the story kind of morphed into a love story. Love not just for a husband and a wife. We have two husband and wives that have to watch each other perish for what they believe in, but a love of people for the land that they live in, you know, for their king, for their traditions and their history you know it's it's all love and so we found a great quote i think it was from harper's magazine the idea of the quote was that the stories we tell of our past create our future so it's very easy for hawaiians to tell the story of how we lost our culture to somebody else 
and then we create a future of constantly being deprived and robbed. But if we tell a story of love and of fighting for what we believe in, that's the future we create for ourselves, where we hold on to something that's dear and we, we give all we got to make that beautiful thing thrive and become alive and survive into the future. So I think that's what we're trying to push with this, that it's not just, not just an opera. It's a way to preserve the best parts of who we are as Hawaiians and to tell our story our way. That is really moving. You know, the part about you hearing the woman's voice. I mean, yeah. talk about chicken skin. And that's magical. It's fairly common on this island. So it happens with every opera. I can go someplace and say, I'm going to write opera, and I'll always get something. How nice. And it's always wonderful. That is nice. And I, I love what you say that the focus is on love and it makes more of a positive future yes. than the deprived future. So, right. wow. Herb, the battlefield, I've been to the battlefield mm. down at Kuamo'o. I find it to be a chicken skin place. Yeah, it's heavy. So my first feeling when I got there, just the heaviness. And you can, well, I'm sure you felt that you can almost see the battle taking place. And especially since we had researched it so heavily and we knew that there were also women female rifle corps in that battle as well. We could almost see them up along that ridge, you know, picking off the men and watching them fall. And the first time the students, they took off their shoes and they went walking out into that lava because they wanted to feel what it was like when the soldiers fell onto that harsh cutting rock. You know, and nobody talked, just absolute silence. So this, this past time when we went in January, the lineal descendants of Kekua Kalani Manono took us to the place where they believe that they fell when they were shot. And it's a little farther down. And it was very, very emotional. We, we could barely talk. There was a heiau that they believe Kekua Kalani built prior to the battle, where the he and Manono prayed and where they kind of camped out prior to that last battle as they kind of conferred together since she was, seems to have been his chief tactical advisor and just to stand there and put our hands on that hail and then connect with that history and you can feel the love you know it's there in that land and what was nice was to walk around that land and realize it wasn't only a battleground that prior to the battle people lived you know they ate they played they played board games they watched the canoes go by they fished you know it was, it was a place of life before it was a place of death you know for many many years and to feel all of that, and to feel the weight of all of that, and the, the wonderful opportunity we have to bring all of that to life in a relatively short opera. All that life yeah, is just amazing. What you're doing is a great way to bring Hawaiian history to the minds and hearts of people. It's not reading about it. It's embracing it and feeling it based on what you have learned, mm. what you felt, and what you and your students, your singers, and the musicians convey in the music and the words and the song. So it's a nice way to bring some serious aspects of Hawaiian history to a very positive presentation. Right. And then we chose the medium of opera because it's universal. So you don't have to be Hawaiian to understand it. You feel it. You know, once the music starts and the drama starts, it's for everyone. You know, we listen to Italian opera and we get swept up, but it's not our story. It's not our language. You know, we can feel it because that's what that medium can do. It's so powerful. It brings everything together, acting, singing, you know, dancing. It's the pinnacle of the performing arts. I think that's why we chose opera as the vehicle to really bring 
Hawaiian culture to the next level. Anything else you'd like to add? It's the first time for the Kamuela Philharmonic. They're kind of jumping into this cultural thing, and it's the first time for the students that they're performing with a live symphony orchestra. So it really will be a first, because the symphony orchestra will bring different emotions and colors, you know, when the strings start soaring and the harp comes in, and it's just a different feeling, different colors. I'm excited to see the kids' reaction when they hear that first battle scene played by a symphony orchestra. How old are these kids, by the way? The oldest is a senior, the youngest is in eighth grade. Oh, my goodness. This will be quite an experience for all of them. Herb, thank you so much. I totally appreciate being able to talk with you. Aloha. Oh, thank you. Mahalo. And next up is my conversation with Dr. Kamana Beamer, which I recorded just this past week to learn a little bit more about the Beamer family and the preservation of the area where the Battle of Kuamo'o was fought, just south of Keaho Bay. Dr. Kamana Beamer lives here on the Big Island. He's an associate professor in a joint appointment with the Richardson School of Law and the Center for Hawaiian Studies at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. He's also on the State Water Commission, appointed in 2013 for a four-year term, reconfirmed in 2017 for an additional four-year term. He's got significant academic and cultural credentials. Dr. Beamer spoke with us from his home in Waimea. Aloha, Dr. Beamer. Thank you so much for talking with us. Oh, aloha, Sherry. It's a real honor and privilege to have a chance to talk story about our work and fantastic place, Como. Well, you're part of this group, and it includes members of the public, but also members of the Beamer family, the children and grandchildren of the well-known singer Nona Beamer, joining with the Trust for Public Land to preserve the Kuomo'o battlefield. And I know that the group raised $4.25 million to purchase the property from Margaret Shaw Tower. What's the Beamer family connection to the Kuomo'o battlefield? Why are you and other members of the Beamer family so engaged in this? We were able to form Aloha Kuomo'o Aina. We're a small 501c3 nonprofit, and we're dedicated to preserving and promoting Aloha Aina in Kuomo'o. And we're also committed to continuing this legacy that happens at Kuomo'o around this phrase, Malama Aloha, keeping our love, keeping our love. And my grandmother would add, there's no obstacle for Hawaii if we keep our love. And really, our family's connection with Kuomo'o for me, the first time I went to Kuomo'o, I was about 16 years old. I was a, <laughs> it, it was an interesting time in my life. I was still at Kamehameha Schools. I was actually a quarterback, and my great-grandmother at that time was still alive, and I left football camp. I remember my coaches and others being concerned. We spent a whole week, and we went around Hawaii Island with my great-grandmother. Her name was Louise Lem Omalama Walker Maka Beamer, my grandmother Nona Beamer, my uncle, Keola Beamer, my dad's brother, and then my granduncle, Keola Maikalani. And uh, that was the first time I went to Kuomo'o the night before. Our family shared stories and chants, and it was a very emotional day. And later on, you know, as I came to understand through my grandmother, our genealogy and our connection to Monono, Kuomo'o has always been a very powerful place for us. My grandmother always practiced and preached aloha. She was dedicated to believing that aloha can not only save ourselves in Hawaii, but the world. And that's pretty much how we got involved in Kuomo'o. It was very early on in our family's lineage and then our connection. I saw your uncle Keola Beamer in a television interview on Hawaii News Now talking about that part of the goal was to change the Kuomo'o battlefield from a site of war to a place of peace. So talk a little more about that. You've touched on that. Sure. Growing up, the Battle of Kuomo'o and the Mo'olelo was a real integral part of our family, and I didn't realize more people didn't know it. 
But of course, you know, the battle took place in 1819. This was a really pivotal time in the history of Hawaii. Memeha the first had passed, and basically, you know, no one knew what Ono path for the future of Hawaii was. The two camps emerged. One was really with Kiku Kalani and Monono and, and others to sort of preserve our traditional ways and religion and couple system. And another was to let it pass and move on to undefined traditions. That culminated in battle at Kuomo'o, very heartfelt and in many ways, uh, you know, kind of a civil war in some ways for Hawaii and Hawaiians. But the legacy of that battle is really about keeping our love. On the battlefield, Monono, the night before, she and her kane, Kiko Kalani, kind of built this hali'ipunana, a place to watch the battle and to observe. And when he falls and dies, Manono takes up his spear and begins this chant, Malamako Aloha, Malamako Aloha. Keep your love, keep your love. And that's really been a rallying call for you know, us as a family. And, and I think, you know, for you think of where our world and Hawaii is at, um, we really believe that Kumo'o can be. You know, it was a site of war, but it really is a place of peace today. It's about reconciliation. It's about addressing the battles that we face. And our world is at a pivotal time to think about peace and people's humanity's relationship with Mother Earth, with the Aina, with our environment. And then Kuomo'oza is an incredible place to kind of reflect on some of these lessons. We host roughly around 500 people every fiscal year. And then we've had incredible students come and, and touch the place and you know, it really moves them and moves their spirits. There's one story in particular that I can recall. This was a young law school student who had returned from the continent to Hawaii, didn't grow up here. His parents were split. He was reconnecting to his place. And, you know, we all spent a day together doing some stewardship activities. And at the end of the day, we we jumped in the ocean together and he swam up to me. And, um, you know, it was a really memorable moment. he got emotional and he said, you know, come on, this place is so powerful and you know, I've never understood dealing with his own relationships with his family and, and the challenges that he had connecting to Hawaii. He said, you know, I never felt connected and this moment is something I'll always remember. And, you know, thank you for that. And Kumo has a way of touching people's hearts. And we're just you know, lucky to be able to facilitate that as an organization. Since you acquired it, what had to be done relative to preservation and conservation efforts, and what has to be done in the future? We were really blessed to be able to work. We had great community donors. Um, we had grant support from the state and the Office of Hawaiian Affairs. Leah Hong and her leadership of Trust for Public Lands was a credible help. So just accomplishing the fact that we were able to purchase and preserve Kuomo'o in perpetuity is huge. There was an active golf course, you know, on one side and large-scale multi-million dollar developments, gentlemen estates on the other. So we were always concerned as a family um, for the future of that place, but now it is preserved in perpetuity. As an organization, we've been working with the county and the state. We're working on some planning. Our biggest challenge right now are the ungulates. And the goats, and if you know anything about Kona. <laughs> well, I was just laughing because I was down there this week, and it was just me and a whole herd of goats. <laughs> yeah. We have three goals for Kuomo'o. One is Aloha Aina, so it's really about the restoration of the cultural and ecological integrity of the place. And so that's where we're at right now is, you know, we have to get the goats out and be able to restore the dryland forest and slowly identify and work through the cultural resources that are on site. And that's, you know, we've been working on planning and permitting. We're in a SMA area and a conservation zone, so we have to move slow and in collaboration with the state and the county 
but eventually we'll be able to get the ungulates out and that'll allow us to work on our goals of stewardship and then restoration. But, you know, in the meantime, we've hosted groups and, you know, we have a small outplanting area and eventually we'll deal with the goats and be able to work on these larger restoration plans and efforts. As I've been down there, when you just look around, if you understand anything about the Battle of Kuomo'o, which is explained a little bit in a plaque that's in front of the area, it's awe-inspiring if you think about what happened there. And so thank you so much for preserving it, because I think it's obviously extremely important. Oh, thank you, Sherry. Yes, it's a real honor and a privilege. And we have a, you know, it's going to be an intergenerational mission for us and for Hawaii. And we're just really blessed to have such great community partners and people like yourself helping us get our message out. So mahalo. Where do people go to learn more? Kuomo'on.org. Kuomo'on.org. You can learn more about our organization. And our organization is called Aloha Kumo'aina. Dr. Kamana Beamer, thank you so much. Aloha. Aloha. And to our listeners, thank you so much for being with us. Dr. Kamana Beamer did tell me that kuamo'o.org does gratefully accept donations from those who want to help with the preservation effort. And a reminder that her Mahilona's opera will air live on stage at UH Hilo Performing Arts Saturday, June 15th at 7 p.m. No charge. They gratefully accept donations to help fund the Kamehameha School's trip to the Fringe Festival in Scotland. I'm Sherry Bracken. Remember, the podcasts of Island Conversations are at kwxx.com and at b97hawaii.com. Until next week, please, let's all live and thrive with aloha. Ahoi ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.